I am honored to be here in what I believe to be the coolest church in Columbia, South Carolina. So cool that I decided to wear some jeans with rips in them because, because Grace Life can handle it. All right. If I was preaching at Shannon, I wouldn't have done it. That's a joke. Listen, I'm excited to be here. Um, <laughs> um, I am a bit of a jokester. Uh, but let me just say, I love Jesus for real. And as I was praying for you guys, and I was praying even in the back, I just wanted to first start this off by just encouraging you. Man, life is hard, and we get hit with obstacles that we may not even see coming. Um, our church, Forward City, was hit with one this week, and we'll be burying a 20-year-old tomorrow um, who died during our service uh, earlier this week. And so just a really weird week for us all together um, his dad is one of the pastors at our church, and so just a really um, tough week. And I don't know what you are facing in this room. You know, many of us coming here, and, you know, it takes all the strength we have to lift our hand in worship and takes all the strength we have to sing the songs that are on the screen and for it not to be karaoke but really to be the praise of our heart. And I just want you to know having a smiling on you is proud of you. Hey, you may not be perfect, but you're in the right place at the right time, serving the right God. And so, yeah, yeah, give yourself the hand, man. You're here. You're here. How many, how many husbands are here and you didn't want to come? Your wife made you. How many? Okay. Well, cool, cool. You were, you were drugged to church today. Um, I know how that is. Now, let me say, not only are you at the coolest church, you have who I believe to be the most amazing pastors here at Grace Life Church. Hey, I really mean that. I really mean that. Um, Pastor Jimmy Currents is one of a kind. He's a real deal. Um, man, he preached for us at Forest City and floored the place. And you guys grew um, the next week. Literally, we had hundreds leave our church enjoying Grace Life. Um, <laughs> ties went down, attendance, everything. I was like, wow, that's what happens here? Okay, cool. So, um, no, it's cool. I see you. You're cool. Stay here. This is a great church. Um, <laughs> But Pastor Jimmy is great, and I love his wife. I love his children. Christian's my main man. Um, he's so cool. But I love all of his kids, and I love what God is doing here. I want to tell you this, and I am going to jump into the Word of God. Listen, if you go here, there should not be anything in Columbia, not Orange Theory, not Kiki's Chicken and Waffles, um, not Best Buy, not Dave and Buster's. There should be nothing in Columbia that you're promoting more than this church, Grace Life Church. You should be telling everybody. You should be posting. You should be letting people know that God is changing lives right here on Clemson Road in Columbia, South Carolina. Do I have a witness in the room? Come on. All right, man. So, so there's a little rumor that Sunday morning 9 o'clock service is the best service here at Grace Life. That's the rumor. And so we're going to get a little rowdy. We're going to get a little loud. We're going to have some fun. So go ahead and wake up, get ready. And I am excited 
for it. All right, so I'm going to start this off by introducing myself. Um, Pastor made me sound a lot cooler than I am, um, but I'm just a guy named Travis. I'm here in Columbia, South Carolina. I do, however, have a beautiful family, and we have a picture of them. Um, look at this model and these three boys. Man, isn't that crazy? Way out of my league. Um, way out of my league. Um, but God made it happen. You know, I came to her, um, and then she immediately dropped her knees and asked me to marry her. And I was like, why not? I mean, you know, <laughs> sounds like a good idea. Um, so those are three boys. And then we got another picture. There's no reason for me showing this picture other than the fact that I think we look cool. Look at that. Bam. Backwards. That was my idea. I said, turn backwards. Boom. All right, so we did that. Um, I love my family, and I really love being a dad. That's probably like the greatest title that I have on earth because being a dad is so cool. Any fathers in the room, I know it's not quite Father's Day, but I love being a dad, um, and I really especially love being a dad. Zach, what about Zach over here? Look at Zach. He's cool. Any single women in the room? That's your man. Um, <laughs> um, I love being a dad <laughs> because... Uh, my dad died when I was young. I was five years old. He was 28 years old, and uh, he died of an aneurysm. He was a pastor, amazing man of God. And so I really love being a dad. After my dad died, we moved to Columbus, Georgia. Any military people in the building? Yeah, we moved to Fort Benning. You know about Fort Benning. Uh, we moved to Fort Benning. That's where I grew up, Holly Hills, East Side. Don't try it. I got a little gangster in me. Not. Uh, but we moved... <laughs> Total military brat. I know nothing about the streets. So uh, we, moved to, <laughs> we moved to Columbus, Georgia. That's where I was raised because my Uncle Johnny was there. My Uncle Johnny is like my dad. He's a big deal to me. Uncle Johnny had a golden retriever named Copper. Um, and this dog, I thought we were best friends. Um, but I thought we were best friends because whenever I went in the backyard, he was actually connected to a leash. Any dog lovers? You got dogs? You got dogs? Great. Keep your dogs. I don't trust dogs. I don't trust... <laughs> I don't trust animals, all right? They're not to be trusted. I know you trust your, you, and, and you tell me when I come to your house, my dog don't bite. No, ma'am, your dog don't bite you. Your dog will, I see it in its eyes. It's already thinking about A1 sauce on my leg. And so every time I go to my Uncle Johnny house, me and Copper, we got this relationship. We're cool, we get along. One day I go to Uncle Johnny house and I get by there and Copper is loose. I don't know how it happened, but Copper's loose. And next thing I know, Copper looks at me and said, man, I've been having a taste for dark meat for a long time. He starts chasing me. It's the true story, ladies and gentlemen. He starts chasing me through the yard, and we jump over the fence. And, and I had this idea. It's an idea that I really want to speak about today. But I had this idea as it pertains to copper and as it pertains really to the metaphor of our lives. Many times we tolerate the enemy trespassing in our backyard, trespassing in the backyards of our minds, in the backyards of our marriages, in the backyards of our ministry in the backyards of our career. We tolerate him because we don't understand that we have something much stronger than copper, and it's our praise. I want to preach a message just over the next 28 minutes, if you allow me, called Praise Unleashed. And this isn't for everybody, but I believe there's about 100 people in this room that are sick and tired of being sick and tired of entertaining and tolerating the enemy in your life, and you're ready to seek your praise on them. Where you at? Anybody ready to leave your praise? Come on, man. That's what we're going to do today. That's what this is about. And so, and so when, I, when I'm thinking about this subject, I can't preach about praise without talking about a guy named David. 
I love David so much that I named my first son David Jace. I just love David. I'm fascinated by this guy because David is imperfect like many of us. And David still has the heart of God. He still has the hand of God on his life. David is a big deal in the Bible. He's probably top three. I think you'd say Jesus, Abraham, David, you know, Moses, depending on where you're at. But for me, it's David, right? He is my LeBron James of the Bible. I love David. And David is used by God to do amazing things. But David was a radical praiser. David was such a radical praiser. There's a story in the Bible where he's bringing the Ark of Covenant back and he starts dancing so hard that he danced out of his clothes. Would you like me to demonstrate? Nah, you ain't ready. And so David starts dancing out of his clothes and his wife is in the window and she's like, wait a minute, man, you're doing too much. And David looks up and he says, woman, you don't understand. I will become even more undignified than this. She has a problem seeing her. You got to understand his wife was the daughter of a king. Her dad was King Saul. And she's never seen a king behave like this. But she'd never seen a king under the authority of another king. David knew that there was a king that was stronger, that was mightier than him, that was worthy of the glory and the honor. And so David didn't count it too expensive to give God his everything whenever he was in his presence. And I learned so much from this David. He writes a passage, guys, that is just fascinating and thrilling. It's found in Psalm 34. You ready for this? Follow with me. If you don't have your Bible, it's cool. It'll be on the screen. Here we go. He says, I will bless the Lord at all times. Man, all times. All is only three letters, but it's really a big word. All means all, and that's all that all means. It's big. All times. When I'm up, I'm going to praise him. When I'm down, I'm going to praise him. When I feel like it, I'm going to praise him. When I don't feel like it, I'm going to praise him. When I'm sick, I'm going to praise him. When I'm well, I'm going to praise him. When my marriage is amazing, I'll praise him. When I don't know what she got going on in her membrane, I'm going to praise him. No matter what I'm facing, I will bless the Lord at all times, and his praise will continually be where? In my mouth. That means I always have something to say about God. The word praise means to speak well of. I love this. He said, oh, constantly be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. The humble, that word humble translates to discouraged and helpless. The humble hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord. That word is gadol. It means to promote. It means to enlarge. It means to grow. It means to make great. He says, oh, magnify the Lord with me. You know you can't make God bigger. What he's really saying is that your perspective, your awareness increases. He says, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I love this invitation. He's saying, hey, when we do this, let's do this together. He's saying, yo, don't leave me hanging. When I come to church and I get real loud, get loud with me. Don't just look at me up here with a guitar. No, 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 no. You lift your own song, your own worship, your own voice. You may not have a microphone, but as long as you have a mind to remember his goodness and a mouth to declare his greatness, you got to participate. Not spectate. Participate. He says, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me, delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him from all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. I love this part. Oh, taste and see. Come on, any hungry people. I had a man sitting behind me. I love you, brother man. He said, I always grab extra communion. I'm like, man, you know, it's not really. (laughs) You know, we're not supposed to have seconds. I don't know. I'll just take a to-go plate I have this for. That's true. So he literally told me. 
taste and see. <laughs> the Lord is good. <laughs> Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. Man, if we really ever understood the power of our praise, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it would be a game changer. I'm going to tell you something I don't know if you know or not. Your praise has the power to shift atmospheres. Because the Bible says he inhabits the praises of his people. What this means is that when you praise God, he shows up. How about, and I know this happens in my life, that there's many times where I feel anxious and I'm, I even feel bitter. I'm going through some emotions and I'm, I'm dealing with not really being, I don't really want to forgive them. I really want them to admit that they're wrong. And so I'm just in my room just like, you know, my wife. I, I, don't you hate when, you know, you, I, I know you love a godly woman, but don't you hate when she's more godly than you? Like there's sometimes... <laughs> When I'm talking about something, I'm just like, oh, these church folks. She's like, babe, have you prayed? And I'm like, I'm a pastor, of course. I mean, I said my grace this morning. I didn't pray for them. <laughs> but then God reminds me. He often reminds me, Travis, you are one worship song away. You are one moment away from inviting me in that I can deal with the emotions that are trying to deal with you. I can break the very thing that's trying to break you. I can handle what's been handling you if you would just open your mouth. There's so many times we just allow our thoughts to just reign supreme in our minds, and you don't understand that there's a praise on the inside that can capture every thought and bring it down into submission. He can literally arrest the thoughts that are trying to hold you hostage in a place. Your praise has power. Your praise has power. The cool story in 1 Samuel 21 is about this guy, David, and the Bible says he's on the run from Saul. His life just literally takes a pivot because what happens is David is the unsung hero. He's, he's the eighth son. He's not invited to the party. You learned this at vacation Bible school like I did. Do they still do that? Bring that back. And they, uh, they invite David. David comes up and Samuel pours the oil on him and David's anointed. All good. But then David goes and decides to knock down a giant and he knocks down this giant Shaquille O'Neal. And then they make this big hit about him. Little Wayne put on the Christian radio. It crosses over. Little Wayne gets saved and this becomes a big Christian song at the K-Love Awards. And Lil Wayne sings this song, and this song says, Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his tens of thousands. Grace Life Worship is singing it up here. Got the man with the guitar. Got Zach over here. Saul has killed his thousands. David has killed his tens of thousands. It's a, it's a hit, guys. And guess what happens? Saul gets jealous. And Saul says, no, 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 no. You can't sing more about David than me. And so the same Saul that used to like David is now chasing David. And David goes on the run. The Bible says this is all in 1 Samuel 21. You got to read it when you get home. It's so good. But David goes on the run, and he gets to this place called Nob. And he gets there, and he runs up on the priest, and he says, hey, priest, uh, I'm hungry. Do you have any extra communion? Got you. Um, so he says, he says, he says, hey, priest, I'm hungry. And the priest is like, all I have is consecrated bread. 
but you got to be pure. And David's like, man, I'm pure. We've been on a run. I haven't been with nobody. If I, I, I'll try the bread. We're going to starve. So David eats the bread. He doesn't die. It's all good. And the David's like me. See, I'm the type of friend, if you give me one yes, I'm going to come for a second yes. If you tell me, you know, yeah, man, whatever you need. I'm like, really? Well, I need $20, you know. And so I'm going to try it at least, you know. And I'm asking the shall be given. And so David's like, you know what? I'm going to try this out. You said yes to the bread. To the bread. So David's like, hey, well, let me try this request. He says, do you have a weapon? Because I'm on the run. And Saul is chasing me, so I need something to defend myself or I might die. And the priest says this. He says, let me check in the back. <laughs> ah. Guess what, David? I have the sword that you killed Goliath with. I have a weapon. I, not just a weapon. I have your weapon of choice. Ladies and gentlemen, you got to really see what's happening here. Clark Kent gets his cape. <laughs> Thor gets his hammer. Peter Parker gets his spider suit. This is a big deal. This is a game changer. Can you imagine David standing there and the light shining down? And he's like, oh, now I can defend myself. It's about to go down. And so David, he gets his confidence up, and then the Bible says he keeps running, and he runs to the city called Gath, and there's Philistines there. And the Philistines look at him and start whispering. They say, hey, that's the man who killed our giant. We got to do something about that. Y'all, this is so spectacular what happens. David forgets about his sword, and David starts going crazy. He starts pretending to be a madman. I'm talking about Alcacester out the mouth. He's, he's clawing on the doors, the Bible says. He's cl clawing on the gates. He is going crazy. And I know you guys are sophisticated. Half of y'all live in Wood Creek. You got it going on like Donkey Kong. I get it. But there's a few of us in this room who's been through some things that made us feel like we were going a little crazy. Has anybody had seasons in your life where you felt like, man, I feel like I'm about to lose my cool. Come on, all of us had that in 2020. 2020 was a little crazy. I'm talking about the Black Mamba, Wakanda, the elections, Corona, everything just hitting left and right. Every time I checked the news, it was crazy. And as if media wasn't crazy enough, we had to look at our spouses during lunchtime. I'm not used to seeing you while I'm eating lunch. <laughs> it's my time. You're going to wash behind yourself? I don't wash behind myself at work. <laughs> you had to teach your child algebra. You haven't done algebra since 1992. Didn't that feel bad having a fourth grader in your house that's smarter than you and you knew it? What a calculator. I don't know this problem, you know. And so, and so you're going a little crazy. Here's David. He's going a little crazy. And it shows me that there are circumstances in our life that will drive us crazy. He goes so crazy, he forgets he has a weapon. If this was Forward City. I will ask you to ask somebody because we talk to each other a lot. And I would just tell you to ask somebody, where's your weapon? Where's your weapon? That was your invitation to do it. Where's your weapon? Where's your weapon? Hey, let me tell you something about myself. I'm very adventurous. I'm the most adventurous man you'll ever meet. I'm scared of everything, guys. 
Um, literally everything. I was sitting on the couch just the other day, and I heard some noise in our, in our chimney thing, and I was like, is that Santa, baby? I'm about to leave. I don't know what that's just like. Probably a bird. A bird? I am out of here. What? <laughs> you can have every square foot of this house. I don't play with living creatures. No. I didn't know what it was, and I wasn't going to sit there and find out. That is between you and these kids. May the force be with you. I'm out of here. Pastor Jimmy, I'm coming over. Give me a bet. And... <laughs> I'm very adventurous, though. I like to try stuff. And my wife, although she's flawless, she's beautiful, she's a doctor. You just saw her on that picture. She's, she's fatabulous. But my wife has one problem. Her one problem is that she don't think she has three sons. She thinks she has four sons. She comes up with all these rules. <laughs> Eat your veggies. <laughs> you know. Like, I want to watch Baby Shark. No, Baby Shark after nine. I'm like, what's wrong with you? you know? So she has all of these rules, no big guns, no motorcycles, no tattoos, just all these rules. One day I said, you know what? I pay the bills. <laughs> Travis going to do what Travis want to do. So I called one of my security guys from the church. I said, hey, man, meet me at the gun range. He said, oh, I thought you'd never ask. <laughs> So I pull up to the gun range, and I'm excited because I love action movies, Bad Boys, Mike Lowry. I'm so excited. I get to the gun range. I said, I said, oh, it's about to go down. Ladies and gentlemen, I pull up to the gun range. I walk in, and they start asking me silly questions, just dumb questions that don't even make sense. Questions like, have you ever shot a gun? You ever had a memory that wasn't really true? It never existed. In my mind, I thought that I had been to war. And so I'm looking at her, and I'm like, have I shot a gun? Have I shot a gun? We got duck hunt. We got laser tag. Uh, <laughs> of course I shot a gun. I'm a grown man. What kind of question is that? Yeah, I shot a gun. I lied. And so what happened was they could tell I was lying. I was like, cool, pick a gun, pick your weapon of choice. And I said, mm, that looks like Mike Lowry. I'll take that one. I took the gun. Then I said, wait a minute, take these goggles and headphones. Goggles and headphones? You're trying to mess me up for the gram. I am Mike Lowry. Mike Lowry don't have goggles and headphones, but I take them. And the moment I open the door and walk in, I start hearing gunshots. Guys, I drizzled on myself a little bit. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> I was so afraid. Every gunshot, I was jumping. Every time somebody shot a gun, I was like, is this over yet? Is it over? It was not fun. I was terrified. <laughs> guns are not for kids. <laughs> this is what I found out. Guns are dangerous. But ladies and gentlemen, there is a weapon that is more dangerous than a gun. I'm telling you, it's more powerful than a nuclear bomb. It is more accurate than a blade. There is a weapon. And what the enemy has really, really plagued the body of Christ with is convincing us that we are weaponless. No, ma'am, no, sir. You have a weapon, and it's called your praise. When the enemy shows up, your weapon is praise. When he comes after your family, your weapon is praise. When your child missed their curfew, your weapon is praise. When your body's malfunctioning, and your weapon is praise. When they're tripping on your job, your weapon is praise. Shout out your boy. I have a weapon. I have a weapon. I have a weapon. I have a weapon, and it is my weapon of choice. Here's the thing about praise. You don't need a license to carry it. You can pull it out at any moment. 
It is your antidote. It is your, your it, it is the thing that is working for you even when you feel like you're unmotivated. It is your defense. Your praise is your weapon. And so the Bible says this. It says, let everything that have breath praise ye the Lord. Let me tell you how awesome this verse is. It means the only qualifier <laughs> for being a praiser is having breath. They say, what kind of breath? You could be high and be praising God. That's actually the best praise. I got high one time in my life. Got my wisdom tooth pulled. <laughs> and they gave me gas. I was like, oh, this is what it feels like. Oh, my God. I've been missing out. But I praise God <laughs> even in the midst of that. Because if you have breath, you qualify to praise God. And here's our problem, ladies and gentlemen. We've been quiet for too long. Yeah. I had this thought the other day, and it blessed me, that the more quiet I am in my praise, it's really exalting. You're always exalting something. You're always magnifying something. So when I open up my mouth like we sung earlier, miracles start breaking out. Every wall starts crashing down. But when I close my mouth, I empower the strategy of the enemy concerning me. When I don't praise, it is a amen to the enemy. It is a you're doing a good job. It's a high five to the attack that's happening against me. He fears my praise so much that he tries to convince me that it doesn't matter. He tries to convince me that I'm not worthy enough to praise God. But my praise is not about my worth. It's about his worth. I don't praise God because I'm perfect. I praise God because he's perfect. Come on, Grace Life. And as long as he is God, he is deserving of my best praise. I was just sitting here to tell you today and remind you how powerful your praise is. Man, if we post less and pray more, the Bible says, let everything that have breath praise the Lord. All of 2020, we were doing virtual ministry. And I remember I was telling people over and over, I was telling our church, hey, type this in the comment section and type this in the comment section and type this. And I still do it sometimes, but I had this thought. Nowhere in 66 books and 1,189 chapters does God tell us the type of praise. <laughs> and so many of us have substituted our fingers for our mouth. And we remain stuck in different places last year because we weren't saying anything. The power of life and death is in your tongue. You have to say something. You can tweet your feelings, but you gotta speak your praise. Let the high praises of God be heard. Come on, you gotta say something. You gotta say something. You gotta, and don't, don't tell me you don't have anything to say. Because if you're like me, you are one truck from cutting you off away from being reminded that you got another language besides the King James vernacular. <laughs> you got something to say. When your sports team is losing on TV, you got something to say. When your child forget that you're the one who paid for everything they have, you got something to say. <laughs> as long as you got a mouth, you have a praise. I'm almost done. I got a couple more things. So the Bible in Psalms 34 David is writing, and he's talking about, I'll bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. 
He said, don't magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. He says, my soul shall make his boast in the Lord. The humble shall be here. I will be glad. And he gets down to verse 8. And he says something very interesting. He says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Taste and see. Like when I read this, because I teach our church, you can't just read the Bible. You got to read the Bible. There's a difference. And, and when I read this, I was like, David, what are you talking about? Because if you ever read David's writing, David, I like David because David was a little cuckoo, just a little bit. Like, let's be honest. Sometimes David would be writing in Psalms and he will be like, God, I exalt your name. How great is your name above the heavens and the earth? Now take my enemy by the brain and smite them. <laughs> Pluck their eyes out so I can stomp on it. Oh, David! <laughs> and you, O oh Lord, deserve my praise. He always sandwiched it in. It's like, no, David, I heard what you just said, David. Inappropriate. <laughs> so, so, this, <laughs> so this is one of those episodes when I read Taste and See, I was like, oh, David is just tripping again, right? David is on the gas again. And then I started praying about it, and I felt like the Lord gave me a revelation about the Scripture. That David really wasn't having one of his moments during the scripture. That taste has everything to do with praise. And here's why. Because it's impossible to taste anything with a closed mouth. And so what David is really saying is my praise is an exchange. That as I praise, I receive. As I release, I receive. He says, he says as I shout, I receive joy. Come on. As I praise, I receive peace. As I praise God, I'm not just giving him something, but I'm creating an opening so he can give me something. When I open up my mouth, miracles start breaking out. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Shout for joy. Shout for joy. Some of us lack joy because we haven't shouted for it. The Bible says the Israelites march around Jericho's wall. Nothing happens until they release a sound. They release a sound. And so this scripture is amazing to me in Psalm 34. But really what I learned is that context is king. I went to CIU. Any CIU students? None? Cool. I went to CIU. <laughs> where I got my master's in theology and I went there and they taught us that context is, is king and this is what I learned this is what I learned that to really appreciate the text you have to appreciate the setting of the text here's what's remarkable I know it sounds like I was just throwing out random stories in the Bible but they're all actually connected when he writes Psalm 34 are you ready for this bomb this is crazy when he writes Psalm 34 I'll bless the Lord at all times Praise will continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make his boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it. Be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name. Do you know when he wrote that? The Bible says. You got to read it. You can't just read the Bible. You got to read the Bible. It's in the context. If you have a Bible, it's actually in your Bible. Before you get to verse 1, right above it, it says this. The most powerful part of the scripture, ladies and gentlemen, is not verses 1 through 22. It is the setting that this is happening. And the Bible says, a psalm of David, when he pretended madness, before Abimelech, who drove him away, and he departed. O M Jesus. Did you hear what I just said? David wrote this during the time 
He was foaming and acting crazy. And so I asked the Bible questions. I said, well, God, I'm just being nosy right now, but when did he write this? Did he write it before or after the episode? And I felt like the Lord told me an answer. He said, Travis, it's none of your business when he wrote it. (laughs) It doesn't matter when he wrote it. It matters when he applied it. So while he's acting crazy, he's really giving God a crazy praise because all means all. And that's all that all means. So as he's praising, he's literally foaming and saying, Thou, O Lord, art healed for me, my glory and the lifter of my head. Oh, they're looking at me. They're about to kill me. God, I exalt your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Oh, they're plotting to murder me. And he continues to lift. I will lift my voice. I will lift up mine eyes until the hill from which comes my help. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He's not just acting crazy. Ladies and gentlemen, he's giving God a crazy praise. Here's my invitation. When the life is hitting you and making you feel a little crazy, why don't you just invite God into your crazy circumstance by giving him a crazy praise? The enemy can take some things from you, but as long as you have your praise, you have a weapon. Hey, hey, David, David was actually smarter than I thought. I thought he forgot about his weapon of choice. He didn't forget about Goliath's sword. He remembered he had a greater weapon. And David teaches us in this text that there are some weapons that my carnal flesh cannot handle. That my experience cannot handle. That my logic cannot handle. That my education cannot handle. That, that's why the Bible says, ladies and gentlemen, Proverbs 3, 5. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. But in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Many of us have been trying to fight spiritual battles with our emotions. And we wonder why our marriages aren't improving because what you're facing isn't personal, it's spiritual. So David says, I'm going to put down the weapon, hear me, that worked for me yesterday. And I'm going to trust God with a crazy praise. I'm going to lift him up in the midst of my, I don't feel like it, I'm scared but I have a weapon. I don't know what the future holds, but I have a weapon. I don't know how I'm going to feed the kids, but I have a weapon. I don't know how our marriage is going to make it through this after that affair, but I have a weapon. I don't know how my job is going to keep me, but I have a weapon. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know who holds tomorrow. And as long as I have a breath, I have a praise. And as long as I have a praise, I have an invitation for a God who's stronger than me to come in. Woo! Hey. Hey. I'm going to wrap up with this. I'm going to wrap up with this. I remember, so I was born in the 80s, raised in the 90s, and I remember in the 90s there was this thing that was really big. They're trying to bring it back. It's called wrestling. <laughs> Some of y'all watched it this past week. And um, wrestling was so cool to me because there was this guy. He still wrestles. I don't know how. He has to be 120. His name is Sting. Sting was so ahead of his time. He had a corona mask before they were even on Amazon. And Sting, Sting would be in the ring, and he would be fighting, and he would get beat up. And DDT and Ric Flair, woo, would be beating him up. And as he's getting beat up, 
I would always say, Sting, just touch the hem of Hulk Hogan's garment. He's standing over there with yellow panties on, and he can fight this battle for you. Just let Hulk Hogan in the ring. He's rested. He got his baby all on. He's ready. Why are you allowing them to slam you and you're one touch away? And God showed me that many times we're the same way. We're being tossed to and fro by the winds and the waves and by life happenings. And God says, you're one touch away from inviting the Holy Spirit to fight a battle that you can't handle. Oh, man. He said, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. If you'll just let me in, I'll come into the ring. I'll come into your circumstance. I'll come into your marriage. I'll come into your apartment complex. I'll come on your job and do what you can't do for yourself. I'm going to give you 20 seconds to lift your voice and give God a praise like you know your, your praise is your weapon. Come on. Unleash your praise in this room. God, you're worthy. You are strong. You are mighty. You are wonderful. You are Alpha. You are Omega. You are beautiful. Everything is easy for you because you're God and you are worthy to be praised. Give him a shout, church.